Now, uh, before we connect uh, Basil in a bit, everyone wants to know, Mike, what's going on with Brexit. And we, we'll, we haven't had a conversation about the Brexit issue, but it's starting to come to a head right now in the UK. Uh, the deadline is fast approaching. What is the deadline? Well, at the moment, the goalposts are set at March 2019. This is when the U- United Kingdom is scheduled to make an exit from the EU, Mike. But there's all sorts of problems and obstacles and things that are potentially tangled up here that might prevent uh, a deal from taking place. In other words, so this is the way the conversation is being structured, Mike. And I'm seeing a huge push right now, uh, especially in the the Guardian uh, sections of of the media, that type of sections, for a second referendum. There was a march this weekend, and I believe it was in London, right? And the press said uh, there were 700,000 people uh, on the streets marching to remain or f- demanding a second referendum. So it's, Mike, I, I see the story being set up right now. Are you seeing the same thing? Patrick, really, we've got to go back to UK column news on the day after the referendum, and we've got to go back to some of the UK column news in the week's a couple of the weeks following that. And we said this was exactly what was going to happen. We said that the Irish border was going to be used as a, as a major uh, stumbling block. We said we were going to stay in the customs union and the single market as a result of the Irish border. Uh, and, uh, and, and in any case, you know, as we've been covering for the last number of years, uh, the situation with military unification means we're not coming out of the European Union. So we said that this was really a stage-managed production is what we're watching and all this rhetoric that we're seeing in, in published in magazines all the all the headlines that we're seeing about arguments between uh, tusk and, and may and and all this kind of stuff it's just play acting um because they know they can't uh Theresa may is stuck she is absolutely stuck if she creates a hard border in northern ireland between northern ireland and republic of ireland or she creates a border a, a customs border in the Irish Sea, the DUP are going to—they are going to—they're uh, going to vote down her next budget in November if she tries to do this, uh, and uh, and then she is out of government because she loses her majority. Right? Um, she, uh, aside from that, she very quickly after the uh, negotiations began on this brought in this in this transition period, this two-year transition period, and when they brought that in, we said they're going to extend it, and they're going to leave it open-ended, and this is exactly what's happened this week, and of course they're saying, oh, we're only, there's only the potential, which it's never going to be called called upon, but it's, it's only the potential to add an extra few months onto the transition period, but actually it's not just a few months potentially, it's potentially as long as they need, uh, and if you go back right right to the beginning of this process after the referendum, Many commentators, not just us, were saying it could take a decade, it could take 20 years to get this issue sorted out. What happens in the meantime? Right, Because they haven't even got to the point of starting the, the negotiation for the new relationship, this new relationship of greater depth and breadth than we've ever seen before. This is only the divorce arrangement. Right, We haven't even started the negotiation for the new relationship. Is that going to be done inside the two-year transition period? I don't think so. So now they're adding, potentially adding months, potentially adding years onto that. 
we are not coming out of the European Union. We were never intended to come out of the European Union. What we're going to end up with is pretty much what was in David Cameron's Best of Both Worlds document that he published in February 2016. And that that's going to be the model that we, uh, that we pr- proceed on. So for, for those who aren't you know totally familiar with what we've just discussed here, just to put it simply, uh, the, the, the Ireland, Ireland or the island, which is next to uh, England and Wales and Scotland, uh, has Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, and Southern Ireland is known as the Republic of Ireland, is a member of the EU. Okay, so when Britain was in the EU, when the UK We're was... We're still in the EU. Well, what... It's ex- but as as part of the EU, it's not an issue, this border between the north and the south of Ireland. But it, theoretically, if there is the Brexit, um, then it becomes an issue because of many things, including uh, agreements uh, that have guaranteed a, uh, an, an open border, uh, a frictionless border between the north and south, like the Good Friday Agreement and so forth. Uh, and so it, to change that, Mike, it's problematic. I think that's what we wanted to at least um, explain the the basic ins and outs of that so people understand what so, we're talking about. So in terms of the Northern Irish border itself, it's always been pretty much been open. There's been a common travel, what's called the common travel area between Ireland, uh, the UK, the Isle of Man, the, the Channel Islands. There's a common travel area. So we've got to separate out the ability to travel from uh, across the border as a as an individual or uh, and, and and goods and services. These are two separate issues. Uh, and the, the the CTA, the common travel area, is going to uh, pretty much be unaffected, is my understanding. Following Brexit, whatever whatever happens uh, there, so that that will not be touched. You'll still be able to walk across the border or drive across the border without any problems whatsoever. The question is, how do you move? Uh, produce. How do you move services across the border? And for the for the well, at least what the EU is saying is that it would be unacceptable to them uh, if Northern Ireland became some kind of backdoor for the UK into the uh, customs union and the single market. Um, and they're saying that it's un- that it would also be unacceptable for there to be a, a, a from a customs point of view a hard border uh, on the island of Ireland that has to be remain as it is. Uh, and the DUP are saying that it would be unacceptable for there to be a customs border in the RSC between the, the uh, UK ports and the Irish ports. So this is this is a, a, an unresolvable uh, situation uh, in in theory, at least this is how it's being presented. Uh, there are solutions on the table uh, using technology uh, for solving this problem, uh, but none of them seem to be uh, acceptable. Um, and so uh, we're we're seeing this becoming the the real uh, pivot point here. This is the real problem point. And uh, uh, and well, you know, what are we going to end up with, Patrick? We're going to end up with a situation uh, where uh, a no de- we either end up with a no deal being presented to the British people, uh, and uh, that is that the, the fear that's being built up around this this issue of a no so, deal. So, what, what does no deal mean? It means that uh, there there'll be Brexit. In other words. Uh, Britain leaves the EU, but without uh, a deal negotiated with Brussels. In other words, a kind of, you know, naked exit. With, it it becomes with it, unresolved issues in the wake uh, the, of it, right? The, the the potential unresolved issues are massive. Even the issue of air travel, for example, right? The issue of air travel because British airline pilots are licensed under EU rules, so they've got EU licenses. 
uh, well, the day you leave, if you haven't got some solution to that problem, then British airline pilots would not be allowed to fly because mm. they don't have a valid British uh, license and they, or they don't have a license which is recognized in the EU or, they don't, or what, their license isn't recognized in other countries, so how do they fly? Are we going to be involved in Europol? Are we going to be involved in Euratom? Are we going to, and there's a whole range of EU institutions that we are intimately tied into and are paying into. Uh, that there, are, there is, at this point is no agreement on what that future relationship is going to be. And this is the point I'm saying, that that re- negotiation hasn't even begun. I, w- I was reading about uh, uh, one commentator was saying that, uh, they, that the British government didn't you know, do much planning or they didn't fund planning for a no-deal um, Brexit or weren't really uh, um, researching this because they were afraid of showing their political enemies – um, all their moves. Uh, in other words, in terms of the sensitivity of the negotiations, this isn't happening in a vacuum. It's happening within a competitive political environment within the UK. So this is what I uh, was said by, or justifications why maybe uh, I think Philip Hammond and Jeremy Hunt and many of these other people involved in some of these processes. You know, why haven't they troubleshooted all these issues out over the last two years, or was this intentionally? All these things are intentionally left to sabotage. They haven't resolved any of it because they they they, they kind of know, wink and a nod, it's not going to happen. Uh, they're going to somehow reverse this process, or there's going to be. They know there's going to be a second referendum, Mike. There's people that are that are basically saying this right now. Oh, of course, there's going to be a second referendum. That was always on the cards. Um, do you think there's going to be a second referendum? I absolutely believe there's going to be a second referendum, yes. And, and uh, there's going to be a second referendum. And I think that they intentionally did not uh, plan for no deal because, of course, if there's no plan for no deal, then you can promote the idea that there's no plan for no deal in the press. And the press can then haul up all the, kind of, uh, all the dangers, all the problems of not having a plan for no deal. Uh, and uh, and they can push out a whole lot of negative uh, uh, media coverage of that. That drives uh, people's demands for a second referendum. And when the referendum comes, Mike, it's the referendum isn't leave or remain. The referendum, more sophisticated uh, nuance here, the choice is a no-deal Brexit. Well, the choice will be whatever the deal is, whether it's a no-deal or whatever it is, against remain. remain. And so which, which choice from a public's point of view, if they're not super educated on all the different details and nuances, which one is simpler? This, this becomes very, very difficult uh, because if the second referendum is, as you, as you suggest, the deal or remain, if that's the choice, what, does, what, do, what do the Brexiteers do at that point? Because they can't compa- campaign for a deal that they don't support. And they don't support the Chequers deal as, as Theresa May has currently presented it. So the Brexit, the Brexit campaigns cannot support, if that's the form of referendum that is offered, cannot support either of the answers on the uh, ballot sheets. So what are they going to do at that point? Their hands are – they're handcuffed basically at that point. They're out of – they're almost slightly off to the side, marg- so, marginalized. Totally. So, so public opinion will be based on what it says in the media. The media is going to, uh, is going to push – this notion that a no deal is is the basically national suicide, uh, and uh, and so many people now are are getting to the point of we've had enough of this, let's just stay in and be done with it. 
I, I think it becomes a very dangerous situation at that point. But this is what we said from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I remember having this uh, conversation with uh, one of the uh, foreign policy advisors of a um, fairly high-ranking member of parliament, and uh, this was a year ago. And I said, and we were talking about Brexit, and he said, just shaking his head, how horrible it was. And I said to him, I said, you know, we're probably not going to leave. And he just looked at me. He's like, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Oh, even if you know, even if we did temporarily leave, we're not leave." But in the process of this extended Brexit, we're going back in. And then he st- he paused and he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, when the to- he said when the toxicity subsides, that's the words he said to me. When the toxicity uh, it calms down, then it'll be an easier process back in." Okay, but but a year has gone past. A year is a long time, and we're now in the position where it's almost even from from the perspective of the narrative that is being presented to the public, it is now more toxic to leave than it is to stay. And that, yes. So, so, well, yes. So, 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 but the the variable is the toxicity. Yes. That's, that's the key variable. And that media has total control, uh, over molding that narrative. Right. Yeah. And so it's, this is incredible. Uh, this is, this is a great study in, uh, manipulation, but it's been done over such a long period. I mean, it's a long game, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's a long yeah. con, right? Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the con artistry, this would be called the long con, right? Yes. Three-year con, four-year con, right, yeah. in total. Yes. It's not done yet. No. There's different phases to come. But you can kind of see, if it was to happen, Mike, uh, in right now, you can kind of see how the arguments have been positioned, right? You see how it's been set up to have this kind of Hobson's choice or this obvious choice of one being worse than the other mm. it's going to come down to that isn't it how how the choices are framed right i think it's extremely likely that that's exactly what happens yes yeah so uh some people are going to be out of luck mike uh certain people are going to be out of luck because nothing they can really do about it even people who supported brexit is what you're saying mike even people who voted for brexit in the last referendum there's a possibility that some of them might actually either sit out or vote to remain. Is it, well, is look, it possible? It's, it's, it's not too late that if 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 there was uh, an opportunity for some serious organisation uh, on the Brexit side that that was really recognising what's going on in front of their eyes, it's not too late to, to, to sort the problem out. Even though we're only six months away from from it actually happening. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, there are a number of events taking place around the country at the moment under the banner leave, leave means leave. Um, and, uh, of course, Nigel Farage is the uh, main uh, sort of spokesman for that. He's the, the rabble riser. But he's not really doing much rising. He's not, he's not asking people to do any to, to, to uh, sort of do very much on a practical level. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't see too much opportunity on that side yet mm-hmm. well uh in any case it doesn't look good for this government mike um i don't see how they can really win uh on this current scenario uh either way it's going to be very difficult for them uh so especially those who are brexiteers but as we know mike politicians can change their clothes uh in a, well, in the a, way Theresa May did as a remainer? In a snap, yeah. They, they can pivot, you know this, on a dime, uh, 
Today, they're one thing. On Monday, they'll be something else. So they're very adept at that sort of shape-shifting. Some might call it cross-dressing. That's another discussion. Uh, but so um, anyway, that's one. That's another one there. So we'll, we'll see, Mike. We'll see. I don't like the look of this.